Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. the Relunchables podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network. And each episode will be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I am not alone. Each episode I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. Thank you to Weedis for the intro music. We can't get enough of the Mighty Ducks here on the Relunchables podcast. If that isn't clear yet, it will be after this episode. We are having on a very special guest, one of the actors from the new series on Disney+, Plus, The Mighty Ducks Game Changers, we're having on Julie Serda, who plays the role of Stephanie. You would recognize her. She plays that helicopter parent, kind of a classic type of parent that we see in these kids' shows, even in reality, honestly, on, on many documentaries about these kind of overbearing parents who want the best for their kids, but maybe take it a little too far. She also plays a high-powered attorney. You know, so kind of getting back to, you know, Bombay in the original films, you know, a nice little uh, Easter egg. You know, she works at the Ducksworth Law Firm. You know, so I think it's a, a great portrayal of this dichotomy of being able to, you know, support your family, support your kids, and also be a high-powered attorney at the same time. We get into it all with Julie from even being introduced in the casting process of the Mighty Ducks to her roles in other critically acclaimed shows like House of Cards, Billions, Nurse Jackie. So all that that goes into the audition process, everything that she's gone through to get her to where she is today. So let's just let's just get right into it. Let's get right into my interview with one of the stars, I'll say it, one of the stars of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, Julie Serda, but not before we play the trailer to Game Changers. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. Disney Plus, I believe a couple episodes have aired. We try not to go too spoilerish in this interview, but you got to check it out. It's classic. If you like the original movies, you're going to love the show. So let's get right into it. I gotta cut you. If you can't be great at hockey, it's like, don't bother. I want you to think about all the other kids who've been told that they're too small or too slow. They just want to get out there and play. Let's start our own team. All we need is an ice rink. You lost? So if you're looking at red skates, that's up front. Tell me the underdogs are going to come through in the end. You got to make this happen for yourself. Why do you care so much? Because you care. Did you see that? Oh my gosh! Nothing but that net. was crazy. Nothing but net. Pretty sure it's basketball. So we just got done recapping the the entire Mighty Ducks trilogy, and and wow, wow! Really, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> we literally got done going through all three. We had a, fo- a few cast members on. We had Stephen Brill most recently on, and you know, cool. I, I'm so glad they brought the series back, and I'm so glad that you are a part of it. We've only seen when the time this episode airs only a couple episodes, so I don't want to you know spoil anything to come in the season. Yeah, but for you. Were you a fan of these films growing up? Like, what was your experience like with the Mighty Ducks? 
Oh yeah, I mean, I think it came out when I was when I was a kid. Um, I was about the same age as as the cast at that time, and I mean, yeah, it's a huge American cult film. So it, I was certainly a huge fan. Um, I watched them all, like everyone else did, and um, I, yeah, I just have vivid memories of just being with my little brother and just watching it. And it's such a great film, you know. So. So when it came out, I just thought, oh, wow, they're bringing this back. How are they going to do that? But um, at the same time, it was also just really exciting because it was something from my childhood that I was pretty excited about. Yeah, like I think they did it perfectly. You know, I think it's always tough because right now I think we're seeing it all the time. They're just bringing back, you know, rebooting all these old things from from the 90s, from the 2000s. Seems like everything's getting rebooted. And I think a lot of studios just, you know, want to be safe. They have this existing IP that they already own. Why not exploit it? And I think sometimes it goes, it goes bad, right? I think just, be, you know, sometimes it seems as a money grab and this happens a lot in film, but I think given that we had so many original, you know, pieces from the original movies as a part of Game Changers, the nostalgia is there. And it seems like, especially now, I kind of, it kind of reminds me of, of Ted Lasso with show on Apple. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see that, but. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, such a good show. Incredible show. And I think especially right now, given what everyone's going through with the pandemic, like, it's just like sitting on the couch, eating a, a bowl of ice cream. Like, it's just great, great fun just watching it. Just, I don't know. It's it's heartwarming. It's something that the entire family yeah. can enjoy. I think there's something to be said for that coming out of this pandemic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, when it first came out, the pandemic wasn't even in our world yet. Um, and But as we were filming it, it's something that we all had said to each other, you know, cast and crew, we're just, we were just talking about, by God, this is kind of what we all need right now. You know, it's, there's so much doom and gloom every time you log onto your phone, every time you log onto the internet or your television. So, you know, just a little escapism, you know, a little, a little lightheartedness is kind of like, it's something that everybody needed, you know? Right. So it, it is refreshing to watch. And I'm really, I'm really pleased and happy with the way it's turned out. It has a really, it has just a sweetness to it, you know? A really nice sentimental it, it balances everything really well it's fun it's lighthearted. it's sweet it's disney um but yeah it, it, it's coming around to be you know just something really sweet and special i think oh a hundred percent and i know i'm bouncing around a ton i always like to start no, with fine. you know our guest in and kind of how they got to where they are so i kind of want to take mm. you all the way back a little bit to you know you were born in south korea and then you immigrated to the united states is that right yeah, that's right. I, I came to the United States when I was a baby, like six months old. And um, my parents decided to um, pretty much was raised in Long Beach, Long Island my whole life. Um, did a couple of years in the Dominican Republic in between, um, but, you know, predominantly grew up on Long Island in New York. So that's pretty much where I consider home. <laughs> you know, I'm an American <laughs> is how I see myself. Yeah, I'm from Westchester myself, so we had the New York uh, connection oh, cool. going there. Uh, I'm curious, you know, having that proximity to to the city in New York, was there something that kind of drew you into the arts as a young kid? When did you find your passion, knowing you wanted to kind of get into this full time? Well, I don't think I really dis- you know, I don't, I don't think I really figured out that I wanted to be an actor until much later in life. Um. But I, I do remember taking a drama class in high school and our teacher, our drama teacher at the time was very keen on taking us to go see all these Broadway shows. And, you know, we're, it was so accessible to us. And um, that's pretty much when I was really floored by theater um, and just 
the performance arts. I mean, I, I think it was like during the show Blade Miz, I was just crying from the beginning to the end. And I just remember it wasn't just because it was such a sad story, but I was just so in awe of the production and, and the lens they went through, you know, like the whole scene turns into this big ship. And I just remember being like, wow. Um, so definitely impressed with the arts at that time. Um, but, you know, coming from immigrant parents, you know, and I don't know if you have this experience or any, but, but, you know, a lot of people do, especially, you know, parents from, from back in the eighties who had just arrived or the seventies, my parents came over, but, you know, the arts weren't really something that they encouraged me to pursue. So it was never really, it wasn't something that they discouraged, but it was just never really in my world as an option. So it was nothing, it wasn't anything that I really considered, you know, it, in my world, you just, after you finish high school, you go to college, you get a degree, and you get a good job after that. And so that's kind of what I did. Um, and I ended up going to school, got a degree in, in communications marketing and got, you know, got a job in digital marketing after that. And I think it was during that time that, um, I don't know, I just felt a gap in my life. And it was a creative gap. And I started just taking a bunch of creative classes, anything that I could think of after work, you know, and um, stumbled upon an acting class. And I thought it was pretty cool. And I didn't really realize I wasn't like, wow, okay, I definitely know this is what I want to do. But I was definitely inspired to continue taking those classes. Um, and something that be, you know, started off as a hobby or something that I did on the side, you know, slowly turned into a gig that I was doing, and then, you know, became something that I took more seriously full time later on. Wow. Yeah. And I think a lot of actors, you know, it, it depends kind of when they come to it. Some start, we have a lot of actors who start as, as children and, and that's a whole yeah, different, and that's a whole different thing. Everybody I know. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much everyone I work with on set. <laughs> I was like, wow, you all started when you were kids, including you kids. <laughs> I know as yeah. you're working with all these kids on the, on the, as I'm working ducks. with the kids who are starting out. Right. <laughs> but you know, and I think it's gotten a lot better today, but I think growing up, you know, in the eighties and nineties, we saw even most recently in the documentary kid 90 on Hulu, you know, how that could go wrong, you know, starting at such a yeah. young age and all the pressure and, and having that fame and notoriety at that age could do when you're not fully developed um and i think there oh is, my god yeah i think I there is something imagine. to be said you know for starting later and you know and finding it in college like i think you may i don't know you may have looked at it like if i only started you know 10 years earlier if i only started when i was a kid maybe i'd be here but honestly i think it serves a lot of actors who kind of get to this later in life oh yeah i mean i have no regrets i never sit back and think oh man shoulda woulda coulda started earlier i mean that was just my path you know yeah. and you, you can look at it any different way that you want, you know, it's just, it, it was my path that led me to where I am today. And, you know, to, to say, oh, I wish I changed that. It just wouldn't make me who I am or could possibly change where I'd be today. So, um, you know, I met my husband in digital marketing. Maybe that was the purpose of that path. You know, yeah. who knows? I, you know, these are, these are old wise questions that maybe we'll learn in the afterlife. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I, I remember thinking, you know, I, I remember a lot of people telling me, oh, you're getting started late, you know, and kind of being discouraged, you know, by it. And, you know, I just don't pay attention to that. Everyone's life is different. You know, if you get started earlier, that's for you. If you get started later, you know, if you decide at 50, you want to try it, why not? You know, yeah. If it fulfills you, then do it. I just think, you know, so many people live in misery, um, not 
not doing the things they want to do. And I, I think that's sad. That's a sad way to live. Yeah, no, I completely. Of course, there are times when you can't do it, and I understand that, you know. Yeah. But you know, if if you have an option to, I always say take the risk, go for it. A hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I think it doesn't have to be on such a large scale. You don't need to, you know, quit your job and upend your life. You could no. you know, do community theater. You could start a podcast. You know, there's exactly. so many different ways to just have that creative outlet for yourself to give you, you know, that time and that you need to kind of, you know, unwind and and maybe escape from from the normal day to day. Totally. I am, you know, you went to Marist, which my good friend Chris went to. So shout out Poughkeepsie, New York, and, and the Red Fox is oh, there. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so I, I'm curious though, after you after you graduate, was there was there a moment when you're like, once you kind of made the transition into acting full time, that you said I'm comfortable, like I made it, like this could be a viable career for me? Was there a moment that kind of hit you, like this could be it? Um, I don't think that moment's ever hit me. <laughs> <laughs> anything can happen yeah um yeah no uh my transition was really slow you know I I continued working in digital marketing because I mean to be honest I had to you know you you can't afford to do acting training and you know start off an acting career without making money so I had to continue that um and it wasn't until much much later I would say maybe in my thirties that I was able to really focus on, um, on acting full time. Um, and it was tough because there were a couple of times when I definitely tried to do it and then had to go back and get a job either as a freelance or do something on the side to try to, to try to make ends meet. Um, because it's, it's a very, very, very tough career to, to start off on. Um, so no, I don't think I ever had that moment where I was like, all right, now it's breathing. Um, there's always that slight fear in the back of your head, like, oh my God, anything could go wrong. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it it just took a while. It took a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's just the nature of, of acting in the arts and, you know, you don't get to choose when you get to work. It's not like you could say, I'm going to show up today and I'm just going to, you know, or my nine to five, no. and, you know, it's one of those things where you need permission to act. And, and that kind of gets me to the audition process. And I'm always curious when actors come on and, and asking them, you know, what is their just mental process when they go into an audition? And I think, you know, we've had on some people who, you know, kind of just treat it as, you know what, this is an opportunity to act and whatever comes of it, comes yeah. of it. you know, some have a very kind of competitive nature with, with auditions, I guess, you know, and, and you've been at this for a while, how have you kind of reconciled and, and kind of approached auditions, you know, that you've had in your career? Um, yeah, so I'm definitely of the mindset that it's, it's your time to perform. And, you know, I think in the beginning, it's tough to realize that. I mean, because, you know, if, if, if you're new to acting, you're, you're working with a lot, you know, you're not only, it's not only about your, your work that you're putting out, but it's everything else that you don't understand yet about the industry that's hitting you. And it's hard to process all that. Um, so it took some time to get to the point, I think, where I said to myself, right, okay, this is your opportunity act, have fun. And um, in order to do that, you really, like for me, especially, I really had to dedicate a lot of time into the work that I put into it. Um, because if it's a performance level, if you're if you're working at a performance level, I mean, you have to prepare at a performance level, you know, and that takes a certain number of hours. And so when I said when I transitioned full time, I think when I transitioned full time allowed me to do that more, allowed me to focus 
all my time. I didn't have to go to work and then try to memorize lines at night before bed. That wasn't how it was. It was instead, I got to work on it all day long, as long as I needed to, and really, really dive into it. Because like you said, you're doing it at a performance level. Um, so that has been my process, you know, just just really put in the work. Um, and it takes time. And I, I like to push myself and say, you know, do more work than you think anybody else is going to be doing. Because I'm, I'm a huge believer in just, you know, the number of hours you put in, there's so much, there's so much that can come out of it. Um, so many discoveries are made, uh, the more you keep diving into it. It's, you know, it's what makes theater so fun. Everyone always says, asks you, oh, don't you get tired doing the same performance every night? It's like, no, actually, it changes every night. because You make new discoveries every day, you know, and, and that's the beauty of it. Um, so, yeah, just put in the hours. Do the work. No. Yeah, I think that's hard work. There's no, there's no uh, substitute for hard work. Um, I, I, I wonder, <laughs> you know, now with the pandemic, do you think the, the entire audition process just shifts? Do you think people are going back to being in rooms and auditioning for the casting director and producers? Or do you think it's now kind of shifted fully to, you know, putting yourself on tape? Do you prefer the kind of maybe Zoom auditions or how, how, yeah. is, how, is it nav- how has it been like navigating this pandemic, you know, as an actor? Um, I think definitely during the pandemic, everything shifted um, online. So there's been a lot more um, tape submissions. And I know this just working with a lot of friends who who are putting on tape as well. Um, And which is which is great on one hand, because it eliminates um, that whole awkwardness of being in the room with people. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, it presents a whole nother level of obstacles which is, you know, making sure you have the right equipment, you know, getting your setup, having a reader on hand, doing it at a time when your kid's in bed, you know, or not going to bother you. So there is a lot, there's a lot more to to juggle. Uh, um, Is it easier? I think it all depends on the actor. Some actors prefer to be in the room because they really, you know, they, it really jives with them just being able to network and seeing the people face to face, it puts them at ease. And some actors, you know, prefer not to have to deal with that at all. I'm one of those. I prefer to do the whole self-tape thing. Um, <laughs> I, it just, because it allows me to just concentrate on me, my work. I do it on my own time. Yeah, you control you know, it. And I control it 100%. I don't have, I just, I don't know if, if it's just me or, and I, I know a lot of actors complain about this, but you're so sensitive to anybody's energy in the room. And so that can, that can shift you entirely. And, you know, part of the art is getting, past that um and but some people struggle with it more I just you know prefer not to have to deal with it (laughs) so I'm I'm a fan of going all digital I do think there are benefits of being in the room however um you know especially if you're going to be doing a chemistry read I think that can be a bit tricky um doing it over over the internet over zoom um I've done some I, I remember in the beginning there was an audition that I had to do live on zoom and i thought that was weird wow um yeah it didn't feel right to me um so i don't know what's better i think you know for safety purposes it's better right now just to to send in tapes and you know hopefully that works but you know i'm sure once the vaccination program rolls out and everyone gets a bit more comfortable um we'll be back in the room soon yeah soon enough but I think it showed, you know, I think like every industry, not just, you know, film or, or television, like people 
can work from home. Like it's not a big deal. Like living Absolutely, a flexible yeah. life, you know, people are just as productive, if not more, when they don't have to commute, when they don't have to get dressed, when they don't have to get ready. Like I think yeah, this has shown to I- everyone that, you know, we don't really need to be in the office. <laughs> Hold on, Julie. Support for the Relunchables is brought to you by Just to Live, a trusted source for high quality wellness, CBD products created by athletes just for you. Do you struggle with your sleep, your focus, your energy, your immune system? I think we all do to some extent. That's why Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. They're vegan, they're low sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, because they wanted to create a CBD product they could trust and could stand behind. Right now, if you buy one of their gummy products, you get one free. It's that simple. There are six different ones to choose from. And instead of just choosing one, visit justlive.com and use the code SUPPORT to buy one, get one free. And now, back to the show. Yeah, and I remember like back in the day, there were day there were times when I had like five auditions in one day. And you know, part of this part of the the art was <laughs> figuring out how am I gonna get from this point to this point to this point to that point. What is my transitioning characters? How am I going to change, change my hair, do my makeup? And, you know, that was a, that's, that's a lot to juggle. So, so yeah, there is something to be said about doing it remote. And, you know, I think also kind of what you said, the pandemic has, has allowed working from home to be okay, because it's shown that, um, that it can work and people are actually productive um, from home. Um, that, you know, no one's cheating them out of work hours or anything. In fact, things are probably getting done way more efficiently and you don't need to rent that office space to hold a casting session. Maybe, um, hopefully I don't know, you know, I don't know what casting directors prefer. I, as an actor prefer not to be in the room. (laughs) So it's all working out for me. So I, I'm always curious, you know, I, th- I think a lot of actors, especially if they're, you know, kind of grown up in New York, there's always like, I don't know if it's a dream or it's just the migration out West, you know, you got to be in, in Los Angeles and, you know, that's where oh, everything's yeah. happening. I'm curious if you ever kind of navigated that decision and what is, you know, I don't know if you spent some time in LA or not, but I'm just curious if you ever thought like, if I want to be in this industry, I have to be in LA. Yeah. Yeah. That I, gosh, I remember everyone saying that. And I remember <laughs> doing trips out there with a whole group of actors, you know, we rented out a place and like all stayed together. Um, and I just remember of like five of us being the only one that says, no, this isn't for me. And I don't care who says what I just don't, I don't know. I've always been someone who just works with my own instinct and, and gut feeling. And my gut was just telling me not LA. Um, and I said, you know what? if it means that I just end up like, I didn't want fear of missing out to rule that decision. You know, everyone's saying, Oh, you have to be out here. I just thought, mm, oh, I don't know. And I'm glad I listened to my own instincts. You know, I, I don't know if it served me better or not. Um, I, you know, who knows? I, I don't know, but I think given the way technology has evolved, you know, and being able to submit self tapes, I don't think it's hurt me that bad maybe back then when you needed to be in the room you know before you could submit self-tapes that was more of an issue being out in LA definitely you know benefits you because you need to be closer to the studios and that's where a lot of the stuff get cast but um I think these days it's not so much an issue and certainly when I was making that decision you know self-tape was on the rise so I, I I'm glad I stuck to my guns and stayed in New York 
I've always just felt like a New Yorker. That's my home. LA has some great qualities. It's just not for me. Yeah. And I, and I think that's smart that you were able to navigate that and come to a decision that you were comfortable with. Cause I think a lot of people get pressured, like they have to be yeah. in LA and, and that's not the case, especially as you mentioned with technology, you don't have to be here. Not a lot of stuff actually shoots in LA anyway. Um, no, I know these days are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's Atlanta. It's, it's Vancouver, you know, it's all over the country, all over the world. So you don't need uh-huh. to be here to, uh, you know, have a successful acting career. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I, I kind of want to get into some of the some of the guest spots that you've done on, on numerous TV shows, some fantastic uh-huh. shows. You know, House of Cards, Billions, Nurse Jackie. I'm curious just the dynamic of coming in, you know, as a guest star essentially, because I imagine it's kind of being the new kid at school. Like, you know, the you know the crew, the cast, they may have their own sort of dynamic, and you're just kind of trying to fit in and trying to add to the performance that's kind of already in motion. So I'm I'm just curious what your experience has been like, you know, jumping in and out of those shows. I think it's like what you said, you know, you come in and you're definitely the new kid at the school you know, everyone's got their inside jokes and, you know, their friendships all formed and no, nobody's mean on set to you. I mean, cause we're all grown ups and professionals. So if anything, they're, they're very inviting and warm, but you know, as a new, as a guest, you can feel a bit, you know, outside of the loop, but, you know, doing more and more in these, um, you start seeing the same faces on set. So it's always fun that there's always a connection of some sort that, you you know, you might see the same crew member, you know, on set, uh, the same cameraman that you worked with on another shoot or, you know, there's always somebody. So, so there's, to me, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. That's what I, I like about coming on. And it's always, it's interesting too, because you do, you do kind of learn, um, you know, you kind of pick up on what the tone is on set and you do kind of have to adjust to it. I I'm easy, I can easily adjust to any situation. I actually think it's fascinating and fun to do that. So I, I quite enjoy being a guest on a set. Um, I never thought it was awkward. I, I just, you know, it's always fun to, to be a part of something. And if it's a great show, then even better, you know, to be a part of that. So I've always had a great time being a, a guest on shows. Yeah, and it seems like you're able to like kind of pick in pick you know something up from every set you've been on, you know. And I think it's kind of like a cool and rare opportunity that you're like you get to kind of spend a little bit of time with each set and be like, wow, what makes you know billions so great, or what makes you know House of Cards so great, yeah. you know, you know. So I think it's a kind of a unique way to be like, you know, what I kind of get to get a sneak peek and, and kind of get out of there and, and, yeah. and try something else. Absolutely, exactly. What was it like uh, working with Damian Lewis on Billions? I'm such a huge Billions fan, Brian Koppelman's work. Like, what was your experience like on Billions? Oh, God. Uh, it was great. It was really great. Um, you know, I only did one scene with Eric Bergosian and, and Damian Lewis on that show. Um, but I remember I got to sit in the green room with everybody as we wait. Paul Giamatti was there, like all of them. And Eric Bergosian was just so funny. He was just, <laughs> he was pretty much doing like a stand-up routine. So it was fun being in that room. Um, and then all of a sudden I heard Damian Lewis get on the phone in his posh English accent. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, like knew he was English, but I was like, okay, okay. I have to snap out of it. Now, now we're in the real world. So it was always, it was a shock, but it was fun. 
it was fun. And I guess, you know, you're probably the, you're the link between, you know, cause Homeland and Billions, I guess we're to assume that, you know, it's the same character there from, from Homeland to Billions. Uh-huh. Cause you know, Damian Lewis is part of both worlds. I don't know, a little crossover there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I didn't get to work with him in Homeland. I think yeah, he was gone by that point. He was, he was gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a link. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, oh, Homeland was great too, though. But it was, you know, it, it was it was with a completely different set of pe- people at that time. Um, so no, I didn't have an opportunity to talk about it with him. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Showtime just loves to keep the shows going. They don't really cancel seasons. I guess so. Yeah, they just I didn't keep even think going. of that. Yeah, <laughs> didn't even think of that. <laughs> so so let's get into the Mighty Ducks. I I know that's what you've been barred with, you know, interview requests for. So I don't want to ask questions <laughs> that you've been getting all the time, but I do want to talk about this character Stephanie because I think she's such a terrific character. I think we see this, especially oh. kind of depicting the times today with these helicopter parents, these crazy sports parents that we see depicted in all these docuseries on Netflix, it seems. So yeah. I'm just curious, like for you, what was it like kind of getting into that role? Because talking to you now, I don't think you're so much like the actual character. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> but it's fun to play her because I feel like I know who this person is. Um, no, but it's, I think she's interesting. I think she's a whole lot of fun, you know? I mean, I think Stephanie's intentions are are all good i mean it's it's i mean who doesn't want the best for their child right yeah. and if you take that to the extreme you know because success has just been so so much a part of your life then that's what you're going to push for right and so I, I if anything it's it's made me um it's given me insight into that world and has made me sympathize more um because you realize it's 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 not so much about pushing the best just to seem the best it's pushing them um it's providing them with the best because you can and and that's what you want it's it's a way of, of nurturing and protecting your child as well and it's because ultimately at the end of the day you love them and you just want what's best for them yeah um so uh, yeah it's been fascinating the whole helicopter parents and <laughs> you know the pushiness of it but uh, it's fun at the same time because you know there's a lightheartedness about stephanie and then you know, as the series progress, you'll see Stephanie maybe softening up a bit more. She'll never lose that edge that she has, you know, which is her one-upmanship, um, which she does, I think, very casually, you know. I think she, you know, part of what you're going to see is that she does admire people like Alec, which is Lauren Graham's character. You know, there's a quality about them, um, you know, about Lauren's character that, you know, she has nothing, has nothing to provide, yet she's doing everything that she can to provide. And that's admirable. And I think Stephanie sees that um, and maybe envies it at the same time. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, But it's been fun. I I really enjoy Stephanie. I think she's full of laughs. Oh, yeah. No, she was definitely a lot of comedic relief in in the opening episodes. And I do love that Mm -hmm. scene where I think Lauren Graham's giving that grand speech in the pilot. I don't want to spoil too much, but she calls out the two trainers and the one guy's like, actually, I'm a sports psychologist. Like, it's just, I think that's such a great line and really depicts, you know, where these parents are going in terms of giving their children the best. And, and, you know, whether it's for just college admissions or for their own, you know, sports career. I, I know for you, you know, having a child yourself, what kind of sports parent do you think you're going to be? My God, I want to be every sports parent. <laughs> <laughs> I love sports. Um, I grew up playing sports. Uh, I, 
I don't know. My, my daughter's only six years old, so we're still trying to see where she's going to knit out. But anything, anytime she's involved in anything, I am there full on. So I totally get it. You know, like I will go and buy her a brand new pair of cleats if she wants to play soccer. Like, yes, we're going shopping. Now. My dad did the same for me, you know. So um, I'm hoping, I don't know. Gosh, she could, anything, swimming, soccer, uh, I play volleyball, so maybe volleyball she'll be into, um, gymnastics, she seems to be keen on that, she's a climber, maybe she wants to climb, I, I don't know, um, we'll see, we'll see, I'm excited to see where it goes with her. Do you see yourself being, being like the coach type of role? Do you see yourself taking like a, you know, a back step? Are you the parent that's going to be yelling on the sidelines? You know, what kind oh, of. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I'm never the parent that volunteers to, to organize anything. <laughs> I think there are people who are really good at that. So, you know, let's, let's leave that role for those who are really good at it. Um, um, I'm certainly the parents that will support though, you know, anything the team needs, I will be there. If you need a bake sale, I will bake something for you. <laughs> Bring the Capri you know? Sun and orange uh, slices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I always pray that there's someone who is a Stephanie who will, who will organize a snack schedule, you oh, know, yeah. and I'll always tag along. Um, but yeah, I'll just be, I'll be a number one fan. That's what I'll be. <laughs> I'll get t-shirts made. <laughs> I feel like there's always one Stephanie, you know, whether that's, you know, husband, wife, whatever. Always. There's, there's always that one parent that takes it a little too seriously than everyone else. But you know what? You do kind of need them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They get you things do done. Need them and they get things done and they are on top of it. And at the end of the day, you appreciate it. You appreciate that they are there and putting in that work. Because, you know, everyone's busy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're able to do it. So, you know, it gets things done and it benefits the kids. So why not? What I do also love about the character of Stephanie is that obviously she's she's there for, for her kid and, and she's this ultra supportive parent, maybe to the extreme, some would debate, but she's also a, a very high powered attorney, you know, so she's able yeah. to balance these two lives. And I just have to say, as, a, as an attorney myself, our firm act actually uh, represents Emilio Estevez. And um, oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm an entertainment lawyer here in L.A. And um, going back to my main point, Mighty Ducks, kind of Bombay's character, kind of inspired me to go to law school, knowing I was uh, one DUI no one DUI away from coaching Pee Wee hockey. You know, that was kind of the dream. No you know, way. but uh, yeah. So, I, I, you know, going back to the character, though, I think it was just a great choice. And you know, Bombay is still an attorney. I don't know if he's still licensed, but I would love to see you know maybe in a future season, <laughs> you know, Stephanie and Bombay going at it in the courtroom or, or some sort of lawsuit yeah. between them. I, I don't know. I would love it. Yeah, I thought that was pretty clever, uh, Steve Brill and the writers to do that, you know, to bring back Duxworth Law Firm, because, you know, it played a huge role in the original movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, and I guess it's an homage to to that, too. I mean, Duxworth, it's, it's where the Mighty Ducks, I believe, got their names. It's, yeah. I, I could be wrong about that, but I was just assuming that was the connection. Um so yeah, it, it is pretty cool. And it's great that she's a partner. You know, it's great to have women in leadership positions on television too. I think that's always great. And I think what makes it even more fun is that it's the it's the contrast to, to Alex's character, really. You know, this is the super mom who's not only a partner at a, a high powered attorney, you know, at, at a great law firm, but she's a partner and she's a super mom who yeah. gets everything done. And I think that's but I think that's supposed to be with the contrast to, to, to Alex's character, um, which, you know, makes it fun. Oh, totally makes the dynamic fun. Definitely. 
And so far, anyway, we haven't really seen any interaction between your character and Emilio Estevez and Gordon Bombay. So I'm just curious, you know, I'm assuming maybe we get it, maybe we don't, but just your experience, uh-huh. you know, maybe working with or seeing him around set or at the rap party, what was your experience like, you know, being around Emilio Estevez? Oh my God, he's the nicest guy, the most caring, the nicest, I just, you know, the, the person who is just so like, full of like positive and and positivity and, and light on set, you know, was always there to support the children, all of us always had really kind things to say to everyone, you know, just had a really great sense of camaraderie. Um, and it's always hit or miss with celebrities, right? Yeah. So it was actually really refreshing um, to see that he's so supportive, you know, was there to talk to you about anything that you needed to know, um, and, you know, because he was an executive producer too. So um, you could go to him and ask questions about anything. And he wouldn't just give you one off answer. He would sit with you and like talk to you about anything that you need to talk about. So super, super great guy. Very nice. And always wanting to help work, you know, solve any little hiccups that, that might come in the way. So really great. Yeah. Talk about someone who was literally at the top of the industry, you know, growing up in, in the, in that Brad pack and the breakfast club and, and top gun, you know, young guns and, and all those movies and, and now getting back into the character of Gordon Bobby after all this time. And I know he needed a little bit of convincing to kind of come out of uh, pseudo retirement there. So I'm just glad we made it work because I don't, there were, there was no series without him. You know, they, I don't think Steve no, Brill would have done the series if we didn't have, you know, Gordon Bombay back. So I'm glad that we got him back. And I know this is a very different type of, it's more of a morose type of role for, for uh, Emilio Estevez, at least in the early episodes. Maybe he comes back and we see yeah. the energetic Bombay that we're used to. But <laughs> something that's clearly happened in the time since, uh, you know, D3, the Mighty Ducks and today. So, you know, I'm curious to get his backstory as the series goes forward. Yeah. Um, and you you will you'll see more of that and um I, I think it's refreshing actually yeah. I, I think it's actually quite realistic you know you, I mean you could you could spin that story any way you want but I thought it made it interesting and it's actually been fun to watch him play this grumpy man <laughs> on, on ice um he's actually funny that, that way I, I don't know I've been enjoying it so I, I I think it serves the show really well yeah I, I'm curious for yourself are you watching the show week to week on Disney plus are you someone who can't kind of watch I, yourself act like what is your experience like oh, watching I, it I can't stand watching myself <laughs> on screen um but my husband and my daughter are really excited so yeah they, we've been tuning into it um I just scream and cringe in the background (laughs) (laughs) i know today is actually friday as we're recording this so i definitely have to check out i think it's episode three today so yeah super super excited we just came out today (laughs) yeah um it's a great show yeah you're gonna love it It, it's really coming around it's definitely there's an arc to the show that's you know and it's i'm i've like i said earlier it's been really sweet to see just it's quite touching you know the way it's turning out yeah so it's it's sweet no, I think Steve Brill definitely captured the magic of the original films, got a really young, diverse cast, which was which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think like Cobra Kai kind of turning, you know, Cobra Kai into more empathetic, more the more of the good guys. And now the ducks are kind of perceived as the bad guys. I think it's a nice, you know, twist of things to kind of show what what would actually happen, right? If the ducks just kept winning, they're not going to keep that underdog mentality over, you know, 20 years. Right. They're going to become the powerhouse yeah. program. Um, so it's just right. interesting to see that dynamic flip a little bit. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Julie, I can't thank you enough for your time. We end each episode with five rapid, sort of rapid fire questions if you're ready. 
Oh, okay. Let's do it. Uh, any TV shows you're currently binging at the moment? Uh, currently binging? Uh, I think I was binging. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm going to fail this. <laughs> That's the final question. Um, 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 was the last thing I saw, I think it was Killing Eve. Oh, yeah. Killing Eve. Great show. Yeah, Great show. yeah. I've been enjoying it. Again, I, you know, kind of with going back to the whole pandemic thing, just in the mood for something a little more light and fun. You know, Killing Eve can be dark, yeah. but it's fun to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sandra O and then Jodie Comer do a, such a terrific job on that show. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I know you're in London right now. We always ask, you know, especially with the pandemic, you know, what's the restaurant that you're most itching to get back to? You know, what restaurant can you not wait to kind of go to? I don't know if outdoor dining is, is okay now in London, but what is your favorite restaurant in London? Any restaurant. <laughs> I know, that's how it feels right now. <laughs> I just want to go into a restaurant and be served. Yeah, no, we're still on lockdown here, so nothing's open. I think on I think on Monday the pubs will open uh. and will allow outdoor seating, but apparently things are booking up like reservation wise. So yeah, it might be a while before I get to enjoy it. Fair enough. Fair enough. If you, if I have one recommendation for you in London, if you have not yet been to Sushi Tetsu, I would highly recommend it. Um, okay. Amazing sushi spot. Okay. Next one. Okay. What is the next place you are looking to travel to once this pandemic's over? It could be in the States. It could be overseas, wherever, you know, where's the first vacation you'd like to go to? First vacation. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. It just made me realize that I haven't even been planning a vacation. No, nobody has. Because we've been on <laughs> lockdown. Yeah. Usually I have something on the horizon or something that I'm dreaming of. Um, gosh, you know, I, I, usually there's a place, you know, the last trip we took was to Iceland. We, you know, we just came to, to England. We we're certainly going to be doing a lot more traveling around the country once we're allowed to. Um, and just exploring more. And I think that's something that's sweet about the pandemic that allows you just to hone in and where you are and just travel to. But also my parents live in the Dominican Republic and I haven't been able to see them. So it would be nice to go there, enjoy the sunshine a little, and also just, you know, get a hug or two from my parents. Oh, that's, that's very sweet. And Iceland's incredible, isn't it? Like I loved, I uh, loved Iceland. Yes, 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 yes. Must go. Yeah. I cannot tell people enough to go check it out in the nature. If you're into like the hiking and the outdoors, like you got to go to Iceland. It's just phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, next one. I saw you rocking, you know, that Ducks jersey on your Instagram, the new logo Ducks jersey. <laughs> so I'm just curious yeah. if, if that's the cool, is that the coolest gift you've ever gotten on set? And if not, you know, what, what do you take? What's like your biggest memento from any set you've been a part of? That wasn't a gift. Oh, was it? <laughs> I wish it were. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask for it now. Um, no, I know. I love that jersey. Uh, Every, and that's so funny. I posted that picture and everyone's been asking me, where can I get yeah, it? Where can I yeah. get it? Um, I don't want to give too much away, but in episode four, I will be wearing that jersey for uh, a reason, which everyone will find out. I thought you took um, that picture like recently. I didn't know it was like actually while you were filming. Oh, that. no, I wish. No, no, I have makeup done. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I took the picture. Are you kidding me? I don't wear makeup during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I know. I need to get that jersey. It's so cool because everybody, everybody's been asking about it. Um, but yeah, that will be my cool gift. I promise you, it will be my cool gift. 
Oh yeah. And I think everyone wants that Jersey. And I think they did such a great job too, because the logos, especially in the original films are so iconic, obviously an actual hockey team wore one of those logos. So I think it was kind of tough to come up with like, what's our new logo for the ducks going to be. And I think they, I I think they killed it with that, with that Jersey and that logo there. I think it's super cool. It's pretty slick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last one, Julie, I know, you know, we're only episode three, but is there anything you could tease us going into the last couple episodes of the season? And if you can't, that's perfectly fine. But, uh, just curious if there's anything that you know you're able to say. Um, um, the last I won't give anything away for the last episodes. I will say that you, I guess, in in the next episode today, episode three came out, but in episode four, you will meet the parents um, of, of a lot of the kids, ah. which should be pretty funny. And um, yeah, the parents will be getting on the ice. Nice. So nice. that should be interesting to see. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a great teaser. Julie, thank you so much for coming on the Relunchables podcast. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to watch more of the Mighty Ducks. Right now, I'm li- I know it's like starting the weekend for you in London right now, but for me, it's the beginning of the day. So I am, uh, oh. <laughs> before, before work starts, I'm definitely going to go check out episode three. So thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Great chat. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.